Good evening, brothers and sisters. It is always good to be here. It's really great to see you guys. I, uh, I know I say that you're my favorite class, but you are. You're my favorite class. Um, so it's, you mean a lot to me, and I, I hope you guys know that. Well, not all of you. No, no, all of you mean a lot to me. And, uh, and, and you know, I was thinking about it. I, I have a friend that I, I knew their family well, lived out in California when I was out there for a long time, and, and he just recently moved here. Uh, so last night, his family, they haven't sold their house yet, so his family's not following him, but I met up with them last night to help them. And, um, and he was kind of sad to leave California, not sure about coming back to Utah. And, and so we were talking about that. I said, oh, I, moved, I grew up in San Diego. I lived in Northern California for about a decade. And then I lived here for quite a long time. And, and so I was like, oh, it's the opposite. I, I was excited to move back to Utah. And he's like, really? Because, you know, it's, it's different. And he was complaining. And uh, I said, well, you know why I was excited to move back to Utah? Because I belong, right? I belong here. I, people understand me here. Uh, and, and that's how I feel about you guys. I, I belong. So thank you for having me be part of your branch. I haven't had as many knee replacements as you, but I am up to one. So. so. In fact, I tried pickleball the other day. I'm not up to that either. So, I was terrible. I had no lateral movement. So if you've got a trick for that, let me know. All right. Theorem. what kind of theorem? Oh no, uh, yeah, I need something. All right, so today we are doing, I don't know what it is that I'm standing next to, but bionic knee. Yourself. Probably, it's probably me. It's coming from my fillings. So, so today we have a lot of material to cover, but we're actually covering, I know I say this every time, one of my very favorite stories uh, that I've been studying this week, uh, this year, is in this chapter. So I'm really excited to share with you and see if you can uh, see some of the same things or share some of the things that you've gained from, from these stories. They're stories we all know, but one of the things I did this year was I took a lot of time uh, and I just finished it, but I, I've been going through just the book of, of Matthew. So I've spent the first quarter of this year just doing the book of Matthew and really spending a lot of time there. So you'll see I tend to go back to Matthew. So if you're okay. Okay. Yeah, sorry. Let's see if I can stand over here. No? Val, they are. They're twice as important. I don't know where it is that I'm standing, but it feels like when I move. Warm, 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 cold, warm, cold. Okay. I like your jazz, too. Thanks. Better. I think that's better. It's not as loud, though. Better. Is that better? Can we hear me? Okay. So today, let's, let's jump into to Matthew 14. We put some of the stuff up on the screen for you guys. But uh, as always, it's really what you guys want to talk about. So if there are topics that you want to make sure and get to, the things you've been doing in your own study, be sure and, and bring those out. Because otherwise, I'll just talk about what I like. As Okay, as all good teachers do, is dominate the conversation. So, which is not the point of come follow me. So anybody have anything particular they want to start out with? Any observations, experiences, sharings that they have from either what they've already been studying or even last week or past weeks? Anybody have anything? They're just like, man, I got to share this. Okay, next. Oh, we got one. So let's bring the microphone back. One thing that impressed, impressed me that I hadn't given it a lot of thought, but I knew that's what it was, and it, but it's in John, it's not in Matthew. Okay. I was reading about Jesus was telling the people that to come unto him, to, they had to come through the Father. Oh, okay. And of course, I really knew that because it's through prayer, that you're praying to Heavenly Father, you know, to be able to, but I just hadn't given it that much thought, and I thought, that's true. Yeah. That is so true. I, yeah. And it's so meaningful to me to remember that just because I want to go to him, I first have to be prepared 
through having the will of the Father. Yeah, having the will of the Father. I think that relationship, I, th I like that. I think that relationship we see a lot. Uh, Jesus is always talking about his Father. He's always reminding us what that relationship is. Have you guys ever, thank you, really thank you a lot. Um, one of the things too I think is interesting there is that, you know, in the Old Testament, when we read about the Old Testament, is there kind of a tone you pick up from the Old Testament? Has anybody picked up a tone? Would you say it's like generally cheery and good news? No. Oh, you, what, what's the tone of the Old Testament a lot of times? Like, figure it out, right? Repent. And, and they don't use terms uh, for God as much of our Father, only a couple of times, usually in Psalms. So you see that, though, that Jesus comes and he's like, let me show you what the kingdom of heaven is about and just the terms that he uses, right? My Father, our Father, changes that perspective maybe that we've lost uh, if we just said, oh, they're just angry all the time. But instead it's like, hey, this is our Father. Not just his Father, it's our Father. And, and he's teaching us through that. And I like that. That teaches a lot just with that word. So thank you. There was a thought back here as well. <laughs> Something that came up to me um, when I was reading this. One of the commandments tells us to honor thy father and thy mother. How many of us think of that as our earthly parents? And how many of us think of it as our heavenly parents? Yeah, yeah, probably both, right? Yeah, probably all of them. Um, great, great insights, great insights, guys. One more. I think what, what struck me was, was very difficult because it seemed like Christ was, was really trying to convince them who he was, when, when all along they should have known who he was. Mm. They just were, were against any, any, different, any differential in what they had been believing. Who spent a lot of his time, even, even, his, even his apostles, you know, and, he, and as you read through this, you, you hear of some of them, some of them just couldn't, couldn't handle this, this new higher law, I guess we could yeah. refer to it as. Yeah. And they just left, you know, yeah. give up on it early on. Yeah, some of the disciples, for sure. I think that's, you definitely see that. You can definitely see that, right? It's hard. I wonder what that makes me think of. Thank you. I, what that makes me think of is that how much are we like that, right? What? How much are we like the disciples or the people of Jesus this time that maybe struggled to accept? They didn't, this wasn't what they expected. They thought maybe it would be different. And so when Jesus comes and he's like, hey, this is what the kingdom is about, and they're like, well, that's not what I expected. They really struggle. Some, some jump on board and some struggle, and then we have stories of, like, Paul who struggles and then really jumps on board. And I think how much of that is me, right? How it's like, well, that's not what I expected, or I think it should work like this, and so maybe I struggle. So I think we see that, and I think it's to, for me, it's to point out to me how much maybe I'm like that. Right? This isn't what I expected. Okay. Awesome. Well, should we jump in? Everybody warmed up? Do a little stretch? Okay, let's do history. Yes, thank you. I had one stretcher. The rest of you, F. I'm stretching. So I want to show the map. Let's do the map. So the story starts out actually, yeah. So I'm going to jump to Matthew and tell a story and where we are chronologically because it's going to lead into this, this story of feeding the 5,000. All right, so you guys... We probably all know the breads, uh, the loaves and the fishes, the feeding the 5,000 story. That's kind of the highlight of today's lesson. But it starts, chapter 14 in Matthew tells us an interesting story. And a lot of times I think what we do, okay, we, I, what I do is I take the story and I say loaves and fishes, and then I just cut that little story right out of the, you know, just those few verses. And I think about that. But if you read the, the way that Matthew's written it out, you'll see that he's, he's telling these stories in order. And I think it adds a lot of richness. And there were some things in here I hadn't seen before. So I wanted to tell you about them so that maybe we can share those together. So if you're bored, pretend not to be, because I like this stuff. So Bible nerds, hats are on. Bible nerd time. So. At this point in chapter 14, we're gonna do a little flashback. You know when you watch a movie and it does a flashback and it goes like, doo -doo 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 -doo, 
and you like flashback in time. That's what's happening right now in Matthew 14. So in Matthew 14, there's a story where we've, we're going to read it in a second, and it's a flashback, and it's John the Baptist, we find out, has been killed. And so um, when, John, when Jesus finds out, Matthew knows we don't know the story, but he knows the story. So there's this little flashback, and he tells the flashback of what happened so to, to remind us, because he knows reading Matthew, you wouldn't know. You wouldn't know. So the first part of the story is this flashback about John the Baptist. But let me give you the context, and there's a map on the screen that you may or may not be able to see. But has anybody heard of the king named Herod? Have you heard that name? Yeah. yeah. So was Herod a good guy, a bad guy? No. Pretty bad, right? Pretty bad. Unless you were all about architecture, then good. He did a lot of building, okay? But, but Herod, the first Herod that we think about is the Herod that is in the uh, story of Matthew where when Jesus is born, right, then Herod finds out when the wise men come and then he tries to uh, kill all the babies, right, so that, that he can take out the competition, right? So we know, that's the Herod we're thinking of. Now we're 30-ish years later and we're talking about a different group of Herod, okay? So in this time when they talk about Herod, it's Herod's sons. So Herod the Great, I'm sure he gave himself that name, Herod the Great uh, was kind of the puppet king of Israel, right? Rome was in charge, so they put Herod in charge. Herod's only half Jewish, so people kind of hated him, right? So he's our king. He's not even one of us. Uh, he was Idumean, which is like southerner. It's like he was from St. George. And so we didn't like him, but he was a pretty bad guy. He was very murderous, right? He, he murdered family members and, and did a lot of bad things. But he was a pretty good governor as far as Rome was concerned, meaning he squashed them and got lots of taxes and did lots of building. Um, and he builds, he rebuilds the temple into this big temple facility. He builds a palace. He builds a garrison. So you hear the Antonia Fortress. Have you ever heard that term? He builds that right next door. That Antonia Fortress is named after Mark Antony, who was his patron. Mark Antony lost the war, and they still liked Herod. So you can see he was good at political maneuvering, okay, is this Herod. Now, Herod had a number of sons, and at this point he had three that lived, and Herod dies um, right after Jesus was born, and he has these three sons, and they kind of do this near civil war to take over the land of Israel. Now, when, they, when Jesus is born, or Jesus grows up, they're what we call the tetrarchs. They're, they split it up. They could never really, because of this near civil war, they didn't give it to one of them. They gave it to multiple guys, four guys. So, and then they took on the name of Herod, although that wasn't their name. So one's named Antipas, one's named Philip, and one's named Archelaus. Catchy, right? Yeah. And they, they said they called themselves Herod, so it was like Herod Antipas, Herod Archelaus, because they wanted to be like dad, right? So that's the time that we find ourselves and what they did is they split up. Rome said, okay, none of you guys are good enough. So we're going to split up Judea, which is a troublesome district, right? Very troublesome, very rebellious. And so we'll split it up into these four areas and we'll chop it up. So in the north here, um, so, uh, so the, right in the middle is the Sea of Galilee. So remember, Israel is like an upside down Utah, right? <laughs> yeah. So... The, there's a freshwater lake that's quite big. They call it a sea, but it's the Sea of Galilee. Ours is Utah Lake. Ours is in the south, but theirs is in the north. And then there's a big salt lake. They call the Dead Sea. And in the middle is the River Jordan. Doesn't that just like us? Ours are flip-flopped, right? So they're the exact opposite. So up north is Galilee. And up north in Galilee, in this kind of um, the orange section up here, and that is... Uh, Antipas, Herod Antipas <coughs> lives up there, okay? And then down over here on the right that's kind of purple on the side is uh, Archelaus, different guy, and that's kind of where Syria is today and, and Jordan. Um, then down south they've got, uh, uh, Philip is down south, and then there's other groups, and you'll hear them referenced in Jesus' time, the Decapolis, right? And that's, that's kind of this brown thing over here. So there are these different groups in Perea, Judea, Samaria. So there's these kind of groups, and it's kind of like, they're kind of different countries, but it's kind of like different counties, if we were to kind of think of it, and they have different governors. So these three brothers specifically fight. 
And this is, this is kind of an X-rated story right here in 14. But I'm going to tell it anyway, because it's in the Bible. So if you're not old enough, please leave. So, so, Antipas, so the three kings are called back to Rome to kind of work out the deal. So they go back to Rome. When they go back, the Herod, Herod, and Herod, or whatever, go back to Rome and Philip, um, they carve up the territories. They get their assignments from Rome. And when they come, during that trip, uh, Antipas falls in love with his brother's wife named Herodotus. So she's, they're bad people. In the meantime, um, Antipas is supposed to set up a marriage with a group that's down south, one of these down south areas down here. And it's called uh, Nemea. I don't have it on there. The queen of, she's called the princess of Nemea, so a political marriage. So he's supposed to marry, he's got this political marriage set up. And this political marriage to Nemea, Nemea is uh, the capital of, have you guys seen like that rock city in Jordan where it's all carved in the rock? It's Petra, it's called. Have you ever seen this? Like in Indiana Jones? Yeah, it's in every movie ever, right? It's this cool temple thing carved in the rock face in Petra. That's called Nemea, and that is still the Nemea today. Uh, and so she's the princess of Nemea. So Antipas is supposed, I know, you don't have to remember the story, and that's the point, and I'll make it in a minute. So Antipas married, or Antipas is supposed to marry this princess, right? To kind of get his kingdom a little bigger. Instead, he falls in love and has an affair with his brother's wife. And so when they get back, they get back, he breaks off the wedding, get, she gets a divorce, and he marries her, okay? So now the brother hates him, and Nemea hates them, right? Because he broke off the marriage. And, and so there's this kind of war on the border that's going on. Good guys. Here's the thing. This is pretty political craziness, right? Kings sleeping around, marrying whatever. Just like today. That's right. So nothing new under the sun, right? This, this crazy story back then, you don't even know of. I just took 10 minutes to tell it to you. And it took me like two hours to learn it. And you're welcome. And so, but here's the thing. John the Baptist was very outspoken about how terrible he thought this situation was. John the Baptist had a very big following. They thought he was a prophet, right? And so John the Baptist was very outspoken. And so Herod Antipas throws him in jail, right? Because he's just making trouble for him about this whole sex scandal and the border war and all this. So that's where we find ourselves. That's where we find ourselves. Here's the deal though, nothing changes, right? Same thing happening today somewhere in the other one, right? But that's the story that we find ourselves that is the background story to what Matthew's gonna tell. So let's click over to Matthew and tell what's gonna happen. This is the flashback. So we're gonna do this flashback Matthew's gonna tell us about. That was the context, this is the story. And then we'll get into where Jesus was and the disciples. And I think we'll point out something interesting. So let's scroll up to chapter 14. And uh, at that time, Herod, the Tetrarch. Did you catch it? Now you know who that is. Herod, the Tetrarch. That means four, uh, four kings. Heard of the fame of Jesus. And he said to his service, this is, this is John the Baptist. He's risen from the dead, and therefore mighty works do show forth themselves in him. So John the Baptist at this point is dead, and they're like, hey, there's this Jesus stomping around Galilee in your kingdom, and he's doing all these amazing things. He's healing people. He's doing miracles. And what does Herod say? It must be John the Baptist, because he was also doing miracles. He's come back to taunt me, right? He's, it must be John the Baptist, this Jesus, right? Because it's so similar. Make sense so far? Yeah. Okay, keep going. For Herod had laid hold on John and bound him and put him in prison for Herodias' sake, his new wife, right? I love how they're all named Herod. Make it confusing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, his brother Philip's wife. Herod. We just told that story, okay? So in case you didn't know the story... Now he did. Okay. For John said to him, John the Baptist, told Herod, it's not lawful for thee to have her. So what is he saying? Come on, king, this is bad news. Kings take well to criticism, right? No, he threw him in jail. Okay, let's keep going. 
So, and when he would put him to death, he feared the multitude because they counted him a prophet. So Antip Herod Antipas throws him in jail and he's worried that the people will rise against him because they love John the Baptist so much. So he just threw him in jail. And then we find ourselves at this story. He says, but when Herod's birthday was kept, big party, big party at the palace. I'll just tell you the, the story. The, they get to the palace. He has a big king's birthday, King Herod's birthday party up in Galilee. And it's a lot of wine. It's a lot of lewd behavior. And Herodias's daughter, it was his niece, now it's his daughter, right? Does a sexy dance for all of them. And it said, please to everyone, right? Again, it's probably not very good behavior, right? Right, it's the rated X part. And then, pleased everyone, and it pleased everyone so much that Herod, who's drunk at this point, is like, oh, that was awesome, you know, ask whatever you want. And her name is Salome, ask whatever you want and I'll give it to you. And so the daughter asks the mom, what should I ask for? It's the king. And she says, John the Baptist's head on a dinner plate, right? Right, because why would Herodias ask for that? Why would this woman ask for that? Because he's be criticizing her for marrying. You got it, right? Yeah. John the Baptist was very vocal about criticizing this marriage. So she's like, I'm tired of that, kill him. <laughs> so the daughter asks for it. And Herod's like, oh, I don't know. You know, oh, I wish I, why did I promise that, right? Why did I promise that? But here, here's everyone, I made a promise. So he says, go cut off his head. So right then during the party, they go cut off John the Baptist's head. They bring it to Salome, and Salome takes it across the floor and says, he's been killed. Terribly. A prophet. Right? A prophet. Yeah. He was really afraid of John the Baptist. Very afraid of John the Baptist, right? He knew that he was a righteous way for the mighty Yeah, here's the pride to Sorry. Repeat You want to repeat that? No? Sorry, we didn't hear it without the mic. Well, he was very afraid of John the Baptist because he knew that John was a righteous man. Yeah. And he was telling the truth. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the people were behind John, and now, oh, you know, this political intrigue. Political intrigue, right? How does Jesus know John the Baptist? Do you guys remember? Cousins? Cousins? Yeah, what else? Yeah, so say, uh, cousins, uh, cousins could be cousins like we think. It could be a little more distant family too, so it might not be first cousins like we think, but they were probably related. And remember the baptism story, right? Jesus's baptism and his confirmation and the voice of the heavenly Father. I mean, John was there. I mean, this is these amazing things, right? And. John is like, I've been building up this group to give over to Jesus, right, as he comes, the Messiah is coming. So they're like, you know, team Jesus, right? And then, so here's John. So this is what's happened to John, the prophet, right? This great forerunning prophet of Christ has now been killed by this fickle girl and her mother covering up their behavior that everyone already knew, right? Everyone else knew. So I love that quote from, uh, from the uh, wisdom literature, right? Nothing new under the sun. Right? You just go, yeah, yeah, that could be from today's mail, right? Big scandal. And, uh, and let's scroll down and find out what happens. So, um, so at that point, it says his disciples, this means John the Baptist. So John the Baptist's followers, right? John the Baptist, in verse 12, came and they took the body and they buried it, right? They respected him. They gave him a, a good burial from this terrible event. And he'd been in jail for a long time. And then they go to tell Jesus. So they go to tell Jesus. And then this is where we find ourselves. So that was the, that was the background story, the little doo-doo-doo-doo. And now we're at current time again. It says that when Jesus heard of it, he departed there by ship into a desert place apart. Why did... Jesus heard about John the Baptist being killed, and what did he do? He, he went on a boat, and it says he went to, to, to get apart into a desert place. Do you remember, everywhere he goes, he's just surrounded by thousands of people, right? These multitudes. 
How, why, did he, why did he need to go away? What, what, why? What? Anybody? Yeah, President. He needed to mourn. Yeah. He needed that private closure time, and you can't really do proper mourning when there's 5,000 people clamoring for you constantly. Yeah, yeah. You guys, he's, he's surrounded by the sick and the hurt, and he's telling them of Heavenly Father's love for them, and he's healing them, and he's teaching them. And then he hears about his dear cousin, this person that he's been working in the faith with, killed in this terrible way. And that very small line, you see so much about Christ, right? That he is a real person. And this just crushes him, right? Ah, oh. he, he just... I need to get on a boat because people can't follow you on the boat, right? And we'll get across the lake. And I kind of imagine it like this. He tells his disciples, I, I need some time. I need some time. And they're like, no problem, Jesus. We got it. And so they, they row the boat. And he's like, I just, I need to be away for a little bit. Just mourn and, and pray. And, and, uh, and we see him do that at the end. So he's probably like, hey, I need to go do that. And they're like, no, we get it. We, oh, we get it, right? We love John too. And they said, well, I know this little place, you know, just off the coast here that's really... Uh, by itself, you know, there's no villages, there's, you know, so we'll just, we'll just take the boat over there and then we'll be by ourselves, right? And no one, no one will know. And so he says, he gets out there, um, uh, the people, he gets off the little boat where he's gonna have some downtime and, and where are the pe people? Yeah, they, they heard of it and they all show up. So it says there are 5,000 men, but not counting the women and children. So I don't know, 10,000, 15,000 people. I show up and Rice Eccles Stadium is right there, right? And you're in this sad and, and, and difficult time and, and there are people that need you, right? And there are people that need you. What could, what would Jesus, don't, don't know about the story, take yourself out of the story for a minute, but what could Jesus do in this situation? What, what would his choices be with all the people? What would he do? He, he could teach him. Yeah, he could teach him. What else could he do? Good, good. Yeah, I think, you guys, if it was us, right, he'd be like, you guys, come back tomorrow. I need a day. I need a day to mourn and pray. And I, I'm just, this is very distressing, right? And as much as he knows about eternal life and all of that, it's still hard. And he says he is morning and hear all these people and he he could say and we'd be no that'd be fair right jesus needs a day so give him a day <laughs> he could teach him he could teach him uh what was your thought here I, uh, honestly i think it was impossible for him to even have those thoughts because he yeah. was crying yeah no it just wasn't in him to, he and, knew where john was john was okay yeah and you know I think you're right. I think you're right, but I think he was sad. Maybe, but let's look what happens. But I want us to think that, right? There's this story, and it's poignant, and, and Matthew is telling it in this order. He is telling us about John the Baptist's death because this story is the next thing that happens, and I think it helps. So it says, um, so he, he says, Jesus went forth. He saw the multitude. And he was moved with compassion, right, towards them. And he healed their sick. So he gets there, he's like, hey, I need some time. And then it's like, well, here they are. He probably could have said, I need some time. He doesn't. He stops, he talks to them, he tells them of Heavenly Father's love, he heals them, right? And it goes all the way through the evening. So he's working, I can just imagine talking to each person and the kids and the you know, the sick, and he's healing, and he's doing all that. And the disciples look around, and they say, Jesus, it's getting late, and we're kind of in the middle of nowhere. So I, we got we to gotta send the people. There's no food, right? We're just in this little secluded place. They need to go. It's night. It's getting to be late. They need to go away, and they need to go to the villages, and they need to go get food, right? We don't, they, they need to go. And, uh, and let's, uh, let's watch the video of what happens, all right? We'll come back. So we're gonna watch the little... Uh... Okay, I'll leave it. Go find it. What? That's 
I never know what I'm gonna say, so I, I give him a hard time over there. Isn't he great though, doing the little audio visual? Yeah, it's way better than we were try when I was trying to do it. So, give him lots of praise. So, um, that's okay. So there's, there's a line here, he says, can you scroll up a minute while you're doing that? And I'll do it the other way, so I can see the more verses. Okay, right there, whoa, whoa. So he says, he says Jesus, the disciples realize, hey, we need to do something, they they're need to eat. And he says, they don't need to eat. You give them something to eat. Well, Jesus, that's why I said it. Like, we don't have any food. <laughs> there are like 10,000 people here. I got, I got a half a sandwich and a bagel, right? I don't have anything. I got like 12 loaves and five little fish. Hardly enough even for the 12, right? We don't, you guys, we don't have anything. So, so uh, and then what happens? Then what happens? So, let's see him. Well, spoiler alert, someone told me what happened. So, um, do, do BibleVideos.org. Bible videos, and then it'll, you can go to all videos, and then you'll see the speech of 5,000. I sent it in the email, too, that I sent over to Marianne. You didn't give it to him, did you? I tried to give you the link so that it was up. All right, so here's here's why he looks that up. Um, they don't need to. Eat. They don't need to. Eat. And then bring. Uh, he says, but we only have five fishes. Uh, I said twelve. I lied. Uh, five loaves and two fishes. No, I said twelve. And he said, bring them here to me, meaning the food. And then he had everyone sit down on the grass, and he took the five loaves, and he took the two fishes, and looking up to heaven, what does he do? Praise. Yeah, he prays. He blesses it. Um, he, so he takes the bread, and he gives thanks, and he blesses it, and he breaks it. And then he gives it to the disciples, and then the disciples put it in these baskets, and then they carry it around to the people, right? And the fishes, he has a couple of fishes, and they take those out. And then what happens? You guys remember? They says they eat until they're satisfied, right? So there's enough for everyone. Wait a minute, I thought there were just five loaves of bread, right? Little little loaves. And and they eat. Yeah, and that's where I got the twelve, actually. So they it says, and they did eat and were filled, and then they took up the fragments. So they went around, everyone ate what they wanted, and they took the leftovers back, and they had 12 baskets full of extra, right? Amazing, right? What do, we, what do we think? What do we think about Christ's power or, or his compassion? What do, you, what do you think about that story? What are, they teach, what, is, what are they teaching us in this story? With the loaves and the fishes, Val? I think it shows his love for his people. Yeah, it shows his love for his people, right? They didn't, they were kind of stuck out there and there was no food and he's gonna provide for them, right? I like that, I think it does. Um, it really makes you kind of love the savior, right? Let's watch the video. Um,
on the Lord of heaven and God. I thank you for thy bounties. Amen. right have you guys seen those did you guys catch I think there were three or four layers that we can start with with this story right um, did you notice something he had him do when they before he fed them he had the disciples do something divide them into companies of 50 yeah you know because that's what you do what 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 is, do you guys does that do you remember any other story perhaps an exodus, in which the company was split. They were, uh, uh, let me see if I can reword it. Let's see. There was a group of Israelites that were out in the wilderness following a prophet, being taught, and yet they needed to be fed. And they were in companies of 50, and they were given bread and water. Does anybody remember a story like that? Well, besides this one. There was. There was one. Does anybody know the reference? Exodus. Well, I said Exodus, but that's tricky, answering my question. Oh, the Exodus. Okay, we'll give the president a point for that one. <laughs> Moses. Remember, Jesus. Matthew kind of shows how Jesus is this new Moses. So he's, they're out into the desert, and he, they had in, in the Israelites' time, they were in companies of 50, and they're following Moses. And then they had the manna, the bread from heaven. Yes. Right, Tom? And then at one point he strikes the rock, and they get water. Right, so he feeds them. Um, out in the desert, and so here's here's a new leader, the new improved right, the next step, giving the law, teaching the people. They're out in the desert, and he gives them bread. So the companies of fifty are going to remind us, this is the new Moses, right? And if if you're like a Bible geek, you're like companies of fifty, it's Moses, right? We're not sometimes quite as Bible geeky, so we kind of go, I don't know, group them up. Right? Okay. There's one layer. How about another layer? Have you ever taken the story and you look at it from someone else's point of view in the story? So a lot of times you're like, here's Jesus, here are maybe the people. But there's another group in this story. They don't have a big part, but there's Jesus, there's some people he talks to, and then there's the multitudes. Who else is in the, who are the people he's talking to? The disciples. The disciples. And I kind of like to take the story and reread it as each person and try to kind of just imagine, put my imagination cap on and say, how did, how was it for them, right? So they're following Jesus. He's had this really rough day with his cousin being murdered. And they're out there. Then they've been healing and preaching all day. And you can see the disciple going, man, if just hanging around Christ, I... I start to be more like him. I start to be more loving, and I start to be more thoughtful, and I start to be more compassionate. And I'm looking around going, well, what are these people going to eat? I'm going to tell Jesus, right? <laughs> so the disciple comes and says, hey, hey, we, we got to help. We got to help these people. And you can kind of see Jesus saying, good job, right? You're thinking of other people. Way to go. Good job. You're thinking of someone besides yourself, right? You're thinking of others. Good job, disciples. Good job. You know, yeah. And then it's like, okay, but they need to go. Like, well, they don't need to go. You feed them. You're the disciple. Me? How am I supposed to feed them? I don't have to feed I don't know how to feed them, right? It's like, good step. You're thinking of them. How do I feed them, Jesus? He says, well, what kind of food do we have? I have this, do you see how little it was? Tiny, right? 
it's like a Lunchable, right? I got this little half sandwich right here, and this is all we have. And, uh, and what does Jesus say? Awesome. Bring it to me. Bring it to me. I can do something with that. I can do something with that. And then he does something with it. Are we ever that disciple? Are we ever at a time when we're asked to do something and we say, well, I don't, I only have five loaves and two fishes. Right? And I don't have much I can offer for 15,000 people. This is all I got. There's one in the back, if we have a comment back. Yes, another message that is contained here is, it, it comes from uh, Luke 1 and 37. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Yeah. So he's showing yeah. through, through his love and people uh, ah. believing in him enough. Like, you can do it. Yeah, amazing story, right? Amazing story. Why I think this touched me so much is, is just don't you feel like in your life, whether it's callings, raising kids, your job, just issues, sometimes you're like, we have a lot asked of us. And you're like, I don't really have much to offer back, right? You're, Heavenly Father, you're asking me to do a lot here, and I only have this little bit to offer. But this message tells me what? Jesus goes, perfect. I can do something like that, right? Our little offering, our li- everything we have, even if it's little, is a lot. Let's, uh, let's go back here. What impressed me about the way Jesus, you know, prayed over the food was very little words. Yeah. Very few words. Yeah. Yeah. Um, good. And I think that's kind of a third one, right? So the first one's kind of Moses. The second one I like is this idea of from the disciples' point of view, sometimes we don't bring much. It reminds me of the brother of Jared, right, bringing those stones. I kind of came up with this crazy idea. If you touch the stones, right, you can make them light. It's like if you come with something. John, what do you got? Okay, you got to remember, too, I think it was during the ministry of the prophet Elijah in the Old Testament where he goes to, the, uh, goes to that widow and her, and her young son. Uh-huh. I think he raises him from the dead, but then they say, well, you know, well, she just had a little bit of uh, a meal, uh, a meal and oil left. He says, we're going to make a couple of cakes here and then die because basically Israel was in a famine. Uh-huh. And I don't think the lady, if I remember correctly, this woman and her young son were not even Israelites. That's correct. And uh, and anyway, what happened, he's uh, brought Elijah, so well, make me, uh, make me a cake first, and, a, and a, your first response would have been, "Well, gee, that's kind of selfish, you know." But then, but then she, through faith, even though she was not an Israelite, went ahead and prepared him uh, a cake and some food. And then all of a sudden, it said there, uh, and all throughout the rest of the story, that she had enough food. Uh, somehow, the food multiplied itself, just like in the feeding of the five thousand. And, and she and her son had enough food to last them until the end of the famine. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, you, you know, you have to remember that all of these prophets in the Old Testament were really prototypes of Jesus Christ. And so basically, he, uh, they were performing the miracles that he would perform during his mortal ministry. Yeah. And of course, then afterwards as well. But. Yeah. Uh, don't you love John? He always has great insights, right? He always brings in stories. Thank you, John. I think you're right on. I love that story. I love that story. You see, Jesus is powerful, right? He's awesome. He can, he can do this miracle. And then you dig a little deeper and say, he's the new Moses, right? He's doing this. And then you dig, see another story and you say, but it's really maybe about me as a disciple. And maybe I just have a little bit to offer. And Jesus can multiply that and make it work. And I think there's, also, there's a lot more, but I, there's one that struck me in the story. Remember, he takes the bread and he breaks it. He blesses it and breaks it. And gives it to his disciples. And then his disciples give it to someone else. Does that remind you of another story that's going to come up at all? Does that remind you of a story? Blessing the bread. Breaking it. The Last Supper. Yeah. It's supposed to. It's supposed to remind us, I think. They're using the exact wording. He breaks the bread. He gives it to his disciples. And then later, right there, they're going to carry that on. 
So he's, he's kind of showing, hey, I'm going to take something and I'm going to share my sacrifice. Comment over here. Uh, I keep uh, pondering what was going on, and undoubtedly there were members of the Sanhedrin that had infiltrated these mass things, and also uh, people from Rome because of the way they're reporting. And when Jesus has fed these thousands of people, the criticism that came from the Sanhedrin was outstanding. They said, those people did not wash their hands when they ate this bread. And Jesus didn't say anything about this. And it is a, I don't know whether law or what, but that they should wash their hands before eating. Yeah, yeah, they should. Yeah, talk about the wrong point, right? We look at it and say, well, they didn't wash their hands, though, before. You know, that was, that was the practice the Pharisees did of a ritual purification. They didn't do it. Why wouldn't Jesus say that instead of what? This was miraculous. Like, wow, ah, it's miraculous, but that's nah, not what I expected. It's wrong. It's not how I would expect it. Another layer that I think about is Jesus feeds <coughs> now. I think... Everything, the food that I have now, it comes from him. And even maybe more important, he feeds us spiritually. I think he's still uh, the word, and the word fills us. And you're giving us the word now. Yeah. You're giving us his words. Yeah. So you're filling us just like right. did the right. Israelites. Right, you give it to the disciples, the disciples give it to, right? We, we, we gain and then we share. Right, we gain and we share. Thank you, Susan. Other thoughts? We do have one. One of the things I thought of when he blessed the bread and the fishes is he called upon Father. Uh And isn't that how we get any of our blessings? Uh We call upon Father through his Son, the Savior, to bless us and sanctify us and Without the Father, there would be nothing. Yeah, it's really true. It teaches us the relationship. It teaches us where we should be praying. It teaches us the gratitude we should have. Um, so, so many things in this lesson. Now, I'm used to, you know all my weaknesses now. I'm used to just going, ah, oh, it's awesome, right? Jesus is awesome. He can multiply fishes. He's powerful. He's awesome. But then I go back and say, he did all this when he was probably hurting. He did all this when he was trying to mourn. And he took the time out, and he taught, and he prayed, and he helped them, and he fed them, right? Do you ever, do you guys ever say, ah, I can't bother Heavenly Father with that, right? This is just a little thing. I'm the only one. So this teaches me he's always willing, right? He's always willing, even if it's just a little thing. He, he wants to help. He's compassionate. He's going to stop what he's doing and help me and, and listen to me, right? He's, he's, he's compassionate. He's loving, like Val said. Yeah, over here. What? Another, another thing he said that he did nothing but what he saw the Father do, and he knew that the Father could do these things yeah. without even asking. Right. Yeah. But he did. He just knew, right? Yes. He knew. I like that. I like that. Good insights. Guys, these are great insights tonight. Great. Well, we'll see. Probably <laughs> a, a, an overriding thing in the whole, in what you're doing here is you don't, you don't have to be told to do everything. Yeah. You know, just, just go do it. Do it. Yeah. I mean, it, and it's, yeah. it's a hard thing, and it was probably harder for the Jews, but it's even harder today. Yeah. Just, just understand that when something has to be done, somebody has to do it. If, if you're not willing to do it, yeah. then who? And if the next guy isn't willing to do it, then who else? So, right. And so if we're, if, sudden, yeah. undone and, and you could have done it. And I like, I like that story because I think we're all like a little like that. Like Jesus could have just fed them all, right? Or made them not hungry or something. But he didn't. The disciples, hey, I'm worried about these people. Good job. Way to worry. Way to be compassionate. Well, what are we going to feed him? You feed him. What? I thought you would do something. 
you feed them, right? Okay, okay, right? But isn't that interesting? You do it. We're disciples. We're the disciples. You say, hey, so-and-so down the hall is having a bad day. Someone should meet with her. Someone should visit her. He's, he's sick. He's, he's had a, a surgery you know, that I've had. Someone should tell him about that recovery. You do it. You do it. Maybe you're like, well, I don't know what to say. I've just got this little loaf and this little fish. And Jesus says, it's good enough. I'll make up the rest. If you see, see you know, something if you see something that needs to be done, Jesus is telling it, good job. You go do it. Fine. You go do it. Tough though, isn't it? I was hoping you'd just make it right. <laughs> I'll help you do it. Right? He's the ultimate father figure. I'll help you do it. Right. Interesting. Interesting thought. Any other thoughts there? That was quite Okay. That was I took your thought. Okay, well, great minds think away. Um, then at the very end of the story, they say after they were eaten, about 5,000 men, include, and then more women and children, it says Jesus constrained his disciples, said, you get back in the boat, you guys go, dismiss the crowd, and then you guys go to the other side, and then scroll down to verse 23. And when he sent the multitudes away, so he sends the disciples away in the boat, he sends the multitudes away, and then he says, and then he went up to a mountain apart to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. So after his work was done, he finally got to pray and mourn his cousin's death. Right? This is the Christ that we follow. What an amazing man. Right? What an amazing, compassionate man that in the middle of these real feelings and this real trouble, he takes the time to teach us, heal us, feed us, right? right? And I think that's the person he's trying to, exp- I think that's who Matthew's trying to describe to us. That, that, is, that, is, that is Christ. Yes, sir? He missed the boat. He sent them away on the boat, Val. He did not miss the boat. But, but it was, uh, from that standpoint, and yet he knew what he needed to do with the multitude and then he disperses the multitude and then he walks across the water to (laughs) to the boat yeah yeah well your spoiler alert that's next week's story yeah all right brothers and sisters we're out of time thank you thank you it's actually I think we're making some great connections, and I, I hope you, uh, you feel like I do, that what a, a great savior we have, the lessons that we learn, we are just so strong. It's just one of my absolute favorite stories uh, for how many layers there are and how many things I can learn. I am grateful uh, for the scriptures. I'm grateful for our Heavenly Father and, uh, and, and Christ in giving us this opportunity to learn and be more like him. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.